This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. Hey, are you ready to hang with your digital besties? What day is it? Is a podcast covering every girl problem, life struggle, and biz reality out there. So pour yourself a glass of wine and get ready to laugh, relate, and celebrate not having it all together. The clitoris is the only organ in the entire human body that researchers have found with a sole purpose of pleasure. That's a fucking gift. Now I'm like, wow, my body has given me this amazing gift right here that is good for my mental health, is good for my physical health, is good to reduce my stress levels, will give me better sleep, right? Will boost all these things in my um, immune system. Like, how could I not? That would be such a waste for me to not engage with that. Welcome back, friends. We're literally just a shit show over here. We've like had a whole podcast off the podcast. Um, but yeah, it's what day is it? Wednesday, and we're back in your ear holes. You're welcome. Uh, I am one half of this dysfunctional podcast. I'm Bailey Stanworth, founder of Play Digital dog mom. I always feel like I need to add more to this and then I blank. So I'm just going to throw the mic at Jackie. Panic. And I am Jackie Rye, other half of this dysfunctional podcast. I told Bailey I have some brain fog today. I feel like I'm like present, but not really present. We just caught up a bunch prior to recording for about like 10 minutes. And I actually feel a lot better. Like it feels like I'm having human interaction. I feel like my life is a little bit more normal. But if you're tuning in for the first time, I think I already said it. <laughs> Here we are with the brain fog. I'm Jackie Rye. And, you know, welcome back to another What Day Is It Wednesday. We have a really cool topic coming at you soon. Just hang tight for a few minutes while we give you some dysfunctional content as per usual. It's always so interesting when I think about new people tuning into this coming from our guest, which is Taymoka. Taymoka. Taylor Nolan. I go off Instagram names sometimes, you know? I call her that too. It just, it, it has a nice ring to it, you it know? It does, does. But um, she's on the pod today. I'm sure you saw it from the title. But yeah, if you're new and you're here because Taylor, we do intros. So just bear with us. Enjoy. Sit back. Relax. Listen to our not so soothing voices. And then the value will come at the end. Yeah, just get to know us a little bit, you know, you can figure out if you like us or not. Some people don't, but we like to update the people who do like us on our life. Yeah, we want more people to like us. We're needy. Yeah, we <laughs> and we have this segment where it's called Cupa Cringe and we talk about some really cute things that happen in our week and really dysfunctional. So Bailey, do you want to kick us off? No, I want to go last so you can go first. Okay, my cute is I was in the car yesterday with Jordan. And if you're tuning in for the first time, Jordan is my partner. And he was, he said to me, oh, do you want to know something? And I'm like, yeah, like what? And he's like, I save all of your photos to my save folder on Instagram because I heard that helps the algorithm and I want to support you. And I was like, what? What like, a good little Instagram boyfriend husband right I was like that's so sweet and like cute thank you and I'm like that's so funny because now when I see like say I see a number of saves I'm gonna know one's him because you can't actually see who saves it 
But I also didn't really have the heart to tell him that there's rumors out there that that's actually not the case and that the saves don't boost or like help in the algorithm. No, it does. I'm sure it does to an extent, but I guess he read like that is the new form of like, I don't know. There's so many different like opinions out there and I'm, I'm sure it helps and I'm thankful either way. But I was like, that is so sweet. That is, that's pretty cute. It does help. I think though you have to remember it's all, everything's like a puzzle piece. Like there's never like one thing that like magically boosts someone's exposure it's just kind of like that definitely doesn't hurt so what a good little boy instagram is literally a puzzle like you said it literally is a puzzle a hard one a thousand piece puzzle (laughs) that's all one solid color (laughs) um my cringe okay so after we podcasted with taylor i don't know if i sent you the snapchat maybe not because i wanted to save it to tell you on the podcast i went and made some lunch and it's very fitting because she's in this episode when made some lunch I or like a late breakfast I had oats and then I came back to my desk and sat down and I just got lost in work for probably like an hour and a half and I walked back out there to get some water and I left the stove on for an hour and a half you did send me that I just feel like that's so irresponsible and I felt really bad like you because sometimes I leave stuff on the stove yeah it's like I mean I've done it before too I think it's easier for me because I have a glass stove top so it goes red so like mm. it's very unless it's like on low or something I see that the burner's on but you have like the coil ones right yes yeah the coil so it's easier I'm just, I'm just so lucky that that's scary I don't do that a lot but sometimes when I'm like super busy it just happens like things small things like that happen like you talked about leaving your candle on overnight. yeah like, overnight at least yours was only an hour <laughs> those things make you just question a lot in your life it does and I think it just makes you use it as a reminder to slow down yes because clearly your brain's overworked i just really wanted to eat those oats i guess i guess you were just hungry (laughs) i was tunnel vision food yes honestly those my oat recipe is so good honestly it's probably how banks lives her life like just that tunnel vision of food harvey the same way yeah he doesn't even chew he just i know banks is the same way (laughs) no chew just swallow inhale yeah um okay so my cringe it's not even that good to be totally honest i just couldn't think of i any. just love that you're doing your cringe first bailey has something special i do i was me. i've got a good cute um okay so my cringe is just that honestly it's kind of the brain fog situation but i was using my luna bronze last night and <laughs> i went to go so I, I use the mousse. This is a self-tanner. And there's a mitt that goes with it. So I went to go pump it out and I pumped it. And I looked at myself and I realized that I didn't have a mitt on. I just pumped straight up mousse into the palm of my hand. Honestly. It came off quite well. Um, but it took a lot of scrubbing and some lemon juice. And I just stood there and was like, mm, okay, yep, cool. Love that. I those moments like I know I feel like everyone can relate to that where you just have that random moment where you do the weirdest thing that your brain truly shuts down and it's like nope not today like you try and plug in like your USB charger to the plug port of your wall like shit like that and you you kind of just like have you like laugh at yourself fully like what the fuck was my brain doing I do laugh at myself but it's I know I've talked about this before on the podcast but like Joe Dispenza I've been doing a lot of his work and he talks a lot about living unconsciously and that's all I think about now is how like I'm not actually being present I'm just like on autopilot and I don't want to be like that so it kind of like 
frustrates me because I'm like, shit, I'm not being present. But um, <laughs> yeah, it's also very human. So it's so funny. Just like I love how that the Tanner moment it just like invokes the spiritual <laughs> thought and feeling within yeah, you. My spiritual awakening because <laughs> I pumped Tanner into my hand. So good. I'm sure Joe Dispenza would love this story. Yeah, literally. <laughs> so deep. Um, okay, my cue. It's kind of a cute for us, but I just found out this morning and I didn't want to tell Jackie. I'm nervy. So, well, I did. I did want to tell her, but I wanted to get her reaction. I mean, I always get worried because, like, I'm going to jinx something, but I'm very confident in this. And I'm not going to say who, but we are going to have a Love Island guest <gasps> on what day is it? Jackie knows who it is, but. Yeah. Yay. Yay. <laughs> I'm so excited. Honestly, I. So Bailey kind of teased the idea of it uh, last week. And I think I just like liked the message on her chat. She was like, way to be excited. And I was like, honestly, I've just in the past gotten excited over things. And then like they don't happen or they fall through. So I'm just going to like remain neutral. And now I can kind of be a little bit more excited. And that's just you guys, if you've been following along, what day is it? You know, Bailey and I are obsessed with Love Island. So this will be a big deal. And come hell or high and water, we will good, podcast with them. Good guest. Like, we'll say she. We can give that away. But she was quite um, like a main, I don't want to say character because she was herself. But yeah, like she was a main person on the show. So I'm pumped. Yeah. I'm pumped. Me too. Me too. Um, okay. So that is my, my cute. I love that. I'm excited. Okay. It's the thoughts. It's the thoughts. It's the thoughts, thoughts we, we have, have in, in the, the shower. Shower, shower thoughts. Nice. Okay, guys. I have another English language one for the worst. you. Why is it always our language? I don't know. Or Okay, in this case, ready? <laughs> D, P, B, and Q are the same letter and no one talks about that. I mean, Q's a little different. We got a tail. You just got to flip it. It's vertical. But and she's a, a tail. D. A Q's got a tail. Okay. It doesn't go... Well, sh- not the one that I'm looking at. Let me, And I'll post it on the stories for an example. But D, P, B, and Q are all the same letter in a different rotation. Jackie, what kind of font is that? <laughs> uh, it would be called <clears throat> Sans Serif. <laughs> Good job. Is that how you say it? Yeah. Jackie okay. didn't, Jackie and I were texting one day and she didn't know what sans meant because I said, oh, it's this sans, the blah, or yeah. whatever. And she was like, wait, what does sans mean? She's like, I okay. thought it was just a font. Can we just, <laughs> I want to clarify before I make myself look more stupid. Is sans French? Um, Honestly, I don't know. I don't think I so. I think say. it's, yes, it is. I was going to say, I got 53 in French 11. 53%. At least you passed. I don't think I should have passed. I think she was fully being nice to me. So, yeah, it makes a lot of sense. Yeah. A lot. Okay. <laughs> I don't know if my mom knows that I got 53% in French 11. Wait, and she might. Now I'm wondering, is Sarah French? Serif? 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 But it's not. Okay, so why, why would you just put sans in front of serif and call it use like half a french word this is another shower thought and a shower thought this is stupid anyways sorry they are all the same letter in a sans serif font well <laughs> you you learn something new every day we should probably stop doing this segment <laughs> no no people like it 
Someone busted your segment from last week about the water. I know. I got a couple DMs. <laughs> and? They were just saying, they're like, wow, you're so special. Like, thinking that your water isn't filtered. <laughs> Which someone told me that the, the uh, disappearing in Cecil Hotel or something on Netflix. Oh, but I don't want to ruin it, and I don't know if I'll ever watch because I heard it's scary. But I heard it's good. But apparently, it has something to do with our shower thought last week. Which, if you did, if you weren't listening, it is: Do you ever think about the last thing your bath or shower water touched before it touches your skin? And me and Bailey had a conversation about where the hell it comes from. Bailey thinks it comes from some big container where it's not purified and, and clean. I which, don't know. I don't know what BC Hydro is doing. So our friend. Sarah Singleton message saying, okay, my dad works for the city and I specifically, and specifically works for the water treatment plant. So naturally I had to confirm it comes from pipes. Yes, but it is a hundred percent clean potable water, which means safe to drink. So we're good. Cool. (laughs) (laughs) This is it. Yeah. I think this is an important part of the segment is we actually come back with the answers a week later. not very often but sometimes sometimes and sometimes. usually it's from our friendships yeah it's not us <laughs> no no we don't even google after no. we're like huh i wonder where this comes from or why it's like that are we gonna google to find the answer no absolutely not we're aware it's fine <laughs> anyways uh, okay friends we're gonna get right into the episode because there's a lot to talk about but we have taylor nolan who you might remember most from bachelor and bachelor in paradise and we dive into a whole bunch of things like personal boundaries long distance relationships stepping into your sexuality so there's lots of good good takeaways from this episode i would say yeah, I feel like Tay- Taylor really, I keep calling her Tay and that's just because of her Instagram handle, but I think she really challenges the norm of, you know, women not speaking up about sex and, you know, embracing their sexuality and um, we've come a long way as society, but we still have so much more work to do and you'll hear it throughout this podcast of her having an OnlyFans and questions that people have around it and we kind of dive into sex work and it's actually it was a really interesting insightful topic I'm thankful that she was able to open up with us about that and yeah I'm excited for you guys to hear it let us know what you think as always enjoy the episode friends hello Fred <laughs> okay we're gonna lose this sponsor but anyways friendships we are here to talk about you know it HelloFresh. we love them because you get mouth-watering seasonal recipes and pre-measured ingredients delivered right to your door with HelloFresh, canada's most recommended meal kit look we may not be able to sing but at least with HelloFresh, we are able to be better at our cooking skills. And HelloFresh makes that so much easier because it ships right to your door. It's quick and easy, which we love. And almost all of their packaging is entirely made from recyclable or recycled content. And I know a lot of us are obviously staying at home these days. So when you're lazy, you probably are trying to like order some takeout, but quit that. Stop doing that because you're just, you're spending way too much money. Like HelloFresh, you get the ingredients, the exact amount that you need, and you can still cook gourmet dinners for like a fraction of the price of takeout. Plus you get three meals worth. So, and you can do family or you can do for couples. It helps with the couples thing, you guys, because you know I talk about all the time, Jordan's not really that suave in the kitchen. He tries, but HelloFresh is kind of the perfect way to 
really give them that push because it gives step-by-step directions. It measures the ingredients down to the T and it even comes pre-chopped. So that is really helpful for him. And it's really actually helped him learn how to cook in the last year. Every time we get HelloFresh order, he's, I ask him to at least cook one meal out of that. So it makes it easier on me. Friendships, we have a code for you because we love you guys and we always are thinking about you in these situations. We have $80 off your first three weeks of HelloFresh, including free shipping. So you're just going to go to HelloFresh.ca slash IG what day six. This is a new code. So listen up all lowercase enter code IG what day six and friendships. Just think about $80 worth of food like what that could buy you at the grocery store. And you're going to get this without having all those leftover ingredients that you don't need. So like Jackie said, head over to hellofresh.ca slash IG what day six, all lowercase and enter the code IG what day six. All right, friendships, we are just going to dive right into this episode because we're so excited and we're so honored to have Taylor Nolan here with us. Thank you for joining us today. Yeah, thank you for having me. I'm excited to chat with you. We are so excited to have you here. And we had a lot of excited listeners to have you on as well. So I know that they've been waiting for this episode. Yay, that's so nice to hear. So just to kind of kick things off, why don't you give us a little intro to yourself, where you grew up, what you do, all fun things, Taylor. Yeah. Well, I grew up kind of all over the place. I was born in South Jersey and my mom kind of stole me away from like my dad's side of the family and moved me out to Seattle, Washington. Didn't tell anyone where she was going. So I grew up um, in Seattle until about from like first grade to like middle of sixth grade. And she met my stepdad at the time who was in the Air Force. So we had to move to Charleston, South Carolina. I stayed there for middle school, which was a huge like culture shock, just traumatic time. And uh, then for high school, moved to Baltimore, stayed in Baltimore for undergrad, got my bachelor's in psychology and then went straight, um, did that in three years and went straight to my master's in clinical mental health counseling um, and then moved back to Seattle in 2015. So I kind of grew up all over the place. Um, Most people probably recognize me from being on The Bachelor and then being on Bachelor in Paradise. Um, But I practice as a psychotherapist here in Seattle. I am currently getting my PhD in clinical sexology. I am a podcast host of Let's Talk About It. I do a lot of stuff on Instagram. I now have an OnlyFans page. Um, So that's kind of, I think, me in a nutshell. (laughs) Multi-talented woman. I love that. I was going to ask, my next question is, what does a day in the life look like for you? And I can only imagine it's different every day. So try try and break down what like a standard day in the life looks like for Taylor. Yeah, that's always a really hard question to answer because it every day does look different. Today looked like waking up, getting my tea, doing my dishes, doing some emails, trying to figure out like just doing admin business stuff, scheduling, um, crying, little like focusing with my body, breathing session. Um, I live by myself, so it gets quite lonely um, that we're in like pandemic times. 
Um, I'm right there with you. <laughs> yeah, like doing. Thank God for animals. <laughs> yes. And literally I have a heating pad on me right now mm-hmm. just to like help stimulate like warmth and like someone else's body. Like it just feels so soothing. So I'm like always have my heating pad like on my stomach and my chest. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think most days, you know, I see clients once a week, um, sometimes two days a week, depending on the week. Um, so I have my client days, but you know, really the only people I see are my chosen family. It's, um, he's not like blood related, but I call him like my chosen father. And, um, he has two kids, a six year old and a two and a half year old. And they're like, my only socialization in pandemic time. So I love watching your stories. I can't remember um, their names. I'm so sorry, but I love watching your stories because you're so playful with them. And just Mm -hmm. like, you can tell that you're genuinely just in such a happy place when you're spending time with them. And it's so good to watch. Yeah. They really light up my life and I'm not a big like kid person. Like I don't enjoy meeting people's children. I don't like want to hear like, that's just not me at all. But I feel that. (laughs) Yeah. But they, Naya and Calais are just like magical humans and she has sleepovers. She'll come over here and we just like watch Disney movies and dress up. And it's really, really refreshing, honestly, because especially in COVID times, it's like, everything just feels so stressful. Everything just feels like you're just home. You're constantly on technology. You're constantly like having to do things and and work. And when I'm with them, it's like I get to tap back into that playful, childlike, creative, um, expressive part of myself. And so I'm like, I love, I would risk anything for them. So I'm like, those are the only people that I see. That's oh, so special. Okay, this question always kind of stumps our guests, but I feel like you'll probably actually have something. So what's something you do every day that you would guess most people don't do? I want to say every day I have chaga tea. It's just like chaga mushroom powder. And I put it with like warm, not hot, because I don't want to like be killing all the nutrients. Um, and I have that every day. That's the first thing that comes to mind. I want to say like cry, but I feel like a lot of people do cry (laughs) Um, or, and I wouldn't say it's like every day, but definitely like a few times a week, I feel like I end up crying, whether it's like happy or sad or overwhelmed, Um, singing and and dancing. I do that every day. That's like a must to sing and dance for me. Are you, I'm really curious, are you an empath or are you just someone who's like very in tune with their emotions? I would say I feel like I'm, I think the best way to describe me is I'm a cancer. <laughs> um, oh, yeah, Jackie is too. <laughs> I love a fellow cancer. We love, we love our emotions. We love to cry. Exactly. We're going to yeah. actually have the perfect sweatshirt for yeah. you. We're going to send you it. <laughs> we will send you a something, something. It says a loyal ass bitch who cries a lot. Yep. Yep. That's, that's definitely me. I am so big on my loyalty. Um, and yeah, I was just, I'm a cancer through and through. Like I feel things really hard. I can be moody. I hold a lot of emotions at once. I am very nurturing. I am very, very loyal. Um, so yeah, I think, you know, being a therapist, like I, I have very strong boundaries around my clients. So like, 
I'm not the kind of person that after my session, I'm like, oh, wow, I just, like, I feel like I need to, like, fix that or, like, oh, like, I feel so, like, drained now because of that because, like, I don't take on my clients' stuff, like, period. That's their shit. That's not my shit. Um, So I'm not, like, I think when a lot of people think of empath, they think, like, you know, someone that takes on other people's Mm -hmm. feelings. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't do that. Even with friendships and, and like romantic relationships, that nurturing side of me comes on where I, I want to be there for that person. But I think my therapist training in me is like, I'm going to hold this space with you, but this is not something I'm going to take on. I was just going to say, I feel like that's so not your typical cancer. I know mm-hmm. you must have obviously you've gone to school for it and done a lot of training to be able to get to that place because I know all the time I tell my boyfriend I could never be a nurse I could never be a counselor I feel what you were explaining people's feelings way too much my sister's in counseling mm-hmm. school right now and so she I always say to her I don't know how you do what you do so kudos to you for being a cancer in that industry because I imagine <laughs> it's extremely hard Do you have any tips? Because I feel like this is something a lot of people do struggle with. And I'm not a cancer, but I feel like I do take on other people's shit. Mm -hmm. And I like, I want to be a fixer. I want to help like Mm -hmm. to the nth degree. Like, do you have tips for kind of stepping back and remembering like you can't always do that? Help me. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Please. Yeah. (laughs) So I think one thing that would be helpful for folks to like turn inward on is if there's elements of people pleasing in there and to really do some like significant work around people pleasing, um, around how you might disservice yourself to please others, around prioritizing your own needs. Um, I think especially for women in our culture, that's a societal pressure that you take care of things, that you are going to feel and be emotional and all of this stuff. And some of that, yeah, that comes naturally. Um, But I think it's, it's hard to give like specific advice on this when it's not like, you know, a specific situation. Um, But I think it's always, you have to remember that like you are your own person and you can only do so much. You can only be in so many places and to really be intentional about where you put your energy. And like, that's got to go first and foremost to yourself. Um, so, you know, I think the practice of, of holding space um, is, has been really helpful for me, not only like as a professional, but in my personal life as well. If a friend calls you and is in like major panic, um, you know, saying, okay, I can like hold space for you here. Right. But not going into like fix it mode or not going into, you know, trying to make sense of, of what it is that's going on for them and just kind of letting them hold that space. And I think that's also just a part of boundaries, right. Of like, maybe if you know, you're someone that like when your friend calls, you're going to take on all of that. And like, you know, they're going to be crying or they're going to be, you know, just going off on something like maybe don't pick up the phone when they're calling, shoot them a text and be like, Hey, what's up? I'm in the middle of something. Is everything okay? Then you kind of can prepare yourself. Right. And I think Mm -hmm. some one element of like communication that a lot of people 
don't practice is like consent in those kinds of scenarios, right? So like one thing I'll do if I'm going to call a girlfriend and I'm like freaking out or I'm just like really emotional, I'll text them first and I'll literally say, can you hold space right now? Because I, I need, I need that. Um, so I'm now letting them know upfront what it is I need, what's going on. And they can say, yep, I'm going to call you in a minute or I got a lot going on or sorry, I'm, I don't have the mental capacity right now. Um, and then it's okay. Who else can I go to? How else can I take care of myself? Um, and I model that same kind of communication for my friends because there are, very small number of people that can call me in, in the middle of a meltdown where no matter what I'm doing, I will stop and be there for them. But majority of folks, it's, okay, well, what's going on? Okay, you're calling me. I answered the phone. I thought things were going to be fine. Now mm-hmm. you're in the middle of this like meltdown. Can I do this right now? And I'll either say, you know, hey, okay, can maybe just take a few deep breaths. Like, I can't have this conversation with you right now, but I'm going to call you back in an hour or two. Like, what can you do for yourself between now and then? Um, so I think a lot of I it. that's so important. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. The consent aspect of it, like what you're saying, because with technology, we have this constant access to just demand attention from anybody, like whether it's through social media or our friends through mm-hmm. text messages or like whatever it might be. And a lot of, I think from both sides, like you have to remember, you have to set boundaries for your own mental health. But then as the other person, if you genuinely care about them, like make sure they're in that space too. So thank you for sharing that. I think that's really powerful. Mm-hmm. Totally. I feel like we should normalize that too. Cause like for me, the cancer in me, I see the call come through. I know I'm not, I don't have the capacity to take it. I don't answer it. And then I immediately feel guilt versus mm-hmm. getting that text like, hey, do you have space for this? No, at least there's the communication there. Because either way, I'm kind of feeling guilt in that situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, you know, I think one thing that's important throughout this communication is understanding that it's not about you not caring about that person. It's not about you not liking that person. I mean, hey, maybe sometimes it is. I don't know. But, you know, it's 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 you honoring where you're at and hopefully you're surrounding yourself with people who will respect that, want you to do that and are practicing doing that themselves. Um, that guilt part, you know, I think is often reinforced by society. Um, and I think it's important to kind of like unpack some of that, but I mean, it can feel really hard, right. To turn someone away when they need help and to feel like, Oh, like, I could have maybe helped them, but understand that you're not going to fix their problem. That's going to be for them to do. Um, and I mean, again, it, it's, it, it might sound harsh and it might feel harsh off the bat um, as you like do practice that because boundaries can be hard, but it's, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay that you aren't in the space to, hold that space with somebody else because if your cup is empty how are you going to pour that into somebody else's cup right like that classic metaphor i feel like everyone needs to just go rewind to the beginning of this podcast and listen to that all again and let it sink in because there's so much value in that yeah. Agreed. um okay we're gonna kind of shift here you're in seattle right now right mm-hmm. yeah okay and you're in a relationship but your partner is not with you where is he He's in Toronto. 
Okay. So can you kind of share a bit about your long distance relationship? Because I feel like there's a lot of people who COVID has Mm -hmm. forced them to go through this. How's that been for you? What made you guys, if it wasn't a forced decision to be apart, how did that kind of Mm -hmm. um, transpire? Yeah. Our relationship started September, 2019 was when we first met. Um, and we had gone, I've been in long distance relationships for like almost five years now. It's really hard. (laughs) Um, but yeah, met him then. And from September to January, 2020, you know, we saw each other once a month for probably like at least a week ish. Um, and we were just kind of dating. Like we weren't exclusive. We weren't boyfriend and girlfriend. Uh, we didn't have any commitment to each other. We were just getting to know each other. And in January, I was kind of like, I don't know that I want to continue to invest financially in being long distance with someone unless I know that you do feel a sense of commitment to this, even if it's just we commit to seeing each other once a month. Um, and Come February, he wasn't super sure about that. He felt like in order to succeed in his career that he needed to remain single and date without commitment. And I said, okay, if that's where you feel you're at, I'm in a different place than that. So, you know, we'll see each other out of convenience. If I'm in Toronto for work, if you're wanting to come to the U S you know, we'll, we'll see each other then we're in Vancouver, but otherwise we're not going to be like working towards a committed arrangement. Um, and so that was kind of fine. And, and in February, um, we kind of took a break from talking to each other a little bit. Um, early, I guess, end of February, end of February, early March, he was talk. I was supposed to go up to Toronto. And so we kind of started talking again and, uh, we're just feeling like we really missed each other. Um, and then basically long story short, I mean, COVID hit, um, in June, he was just like, I really miss you. I really want to see you. He was seeing other people, um, in Toronto and, yeah, I kind of laughed at him and I was like, well, we're in a pandemic. Like my ass is not getting on a plane to go anywhere. So I was like, I'm really busy. I was like, if you want to come here, sure. But like, otherwise I'm not going anywhere. And he booked a ticket like immediately. And I didn't even think he was serious. And um, like a week later he was here. And at the end of that visit, it was really great. And obviously he was like tested and like quarantined to did all of that because mm-hmm. I'm paranoid and um, like validly paranoid. Um, <laughs> he, at the end of that visit, he was, he had kind of asked, you know, well, like, do you think you'd want to see me again? And I was like, don't ask me that stupid question. You need to figure out if you want to see me again and how. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, you know, yes. I was like, you know, obviously <laughs> I want to see you. Like, it's so fucking great when we're together and it feels stupid that we're not together. But I understand it's like really hard when we are so far apart and that would require some like big shifts. Um, he agreed, you know, he did, he, I asked him, I was like, how compatible, like, where do you think we're not compatible And his response was timing. And I said, that's not compatibility. I said, that's not, that's not (laughs) compatibility. I was like, you have no answer as to how we're not compatible. (laughs) Like, so what are we doing then? (laughs) And, um, 
he left and and basically was like he he wanted to come and you know we had only had like i think max two weeks that we had spent together on like a visit so he wanted to come here for like at least a month two months um to see really how we work together day to day he's a he's very slow and i'm like very let's get together um and that's one of the areas where like <laughs> maybe we are compatible but definitely like have some difficulty with and um you know it was COVID, and we were working from home and he didn't know if he was gonna have to go back into the office it was all this weird lots of logistics to figure out and he came out in august he was here for like a week and a half and then he was just like yeah, I want to be boyfriend and girlfriend. Like I want to make this work and I want us to like be together. Um, and I think then at that point we decided we were going to be together, committed to each other. Um, we are not completely exclusively monogamous though. We are definitely more monogamous. Um, and yeah, that. he was, yeah, he was here um october to january and then went back to toronto we've been apart now for going on like six weeks ish i want to say he left january 16th um so it's been really hard again and i think one of the biggest things that helps with being long distance is just consistency like and and really responding to each other's needs like two weeks ago i asked him to send me like a morning photo of him. Like I wanted to just see like his like sleepy morning face when I wake up. And so now like every morning I get like a photo of him when he first wakes up with a little smile on his face. And that makes my heart so warm. And I love mm -hmm. that, you know, he responded to that. I was able to express my need, he responded. Um, the consistency in communication is really important. Scheduling for sexy time dates. Um, I okay, use, yeah, like, we want to ask, how <laughs> do you keep it spicy when it's long distance? Yeah, so definitely sending each other photos, um, like, out of the blue or, you know, starting with a text. Um, we like to do showers. So I'll call him and I'll be like, it's shower time. Um, and I just prop my phone up and he gets to watch me shower. <laughs> and, <laughs> you know, he can put in some requests while I'm showering and um, some of them I'll do, but it's, um, it's just a really like sensual thing. Like sometimes I'll just be sitting here on my couch, a mess. And I'll be like, when are you showering? Can you go take a shower now? And then I just sit here and I just like watch him shower and I'm just like, you are so fucking fine. <laughs> like, oh my God, that's my boyfriend. Oh my God. Um, I lo love doing the sexy showers. Um, audio notes, I'm really big on. So even if it's like just talking to each other about things we want to do to each other or sometimes I'll use a toy to masturbate and I'll just send him the audio of like me moaning or of my orgasm. That's hot. Yeah, that's, he loves that. Uh, <laughs> um, sometimes <laughs> my favorite is like, I love to see the cum shot. I'm like, give me the cum, the cum shot. Um, so he'll like tease me, like working up to that. And then, you know, he'll send me that. Um, but it's, I think it, it ultimately comes down to like figuring out what turns you on and what turns your partner on and like figuring out how you can practically 
meet those needs um, and meet those desires. I think it's really important to like eroticize your partner daily, um, especially when you're long distance because there's so many logistics, right? Like there's so many, like we're trying to figure out visa. We're trying to figure out like time frame. We're trying to figure out like flights, like schedules. There's all the things that aren't sexy. Exactly. <laughs> it's not fucking sexy. It's like, it's stressful and it's, it's not erotic whatsoever. So even when you do live together and even when you are in person, um, eroticizing your partner daily is really important. So I for sure will objectify him and he will for sure objectify me. And that's like how we keep a sexy energy alive. And obviously, you know, life happens. There's times where like I'm sick and I'm depressed and I feel like shit and I'm overwhelmed and I don't feel like being sexy. Uh, but I, I might still send him a little audio message if I masturbate, but I might not want to have like a full out, like sexy FaceTime session. Um, cause I got to first honor my needs as yeah. the mm-hmm. I have a question before we dive into like individual stepping into your sexuality, what would your tips be for maybe our long distance relationship listeners to who aren't as comfortable in their sexuality to move towards being better in a relationship and doing those things because I feel like the initial the initial one if you aren't comfortable with your partner like that yet it can be a little bit awkward so did you guys have a conversation beforehand I know you said you schedule in sexy time sometimes what are some tips yeah sometimes we schedule in sexy time and I think that can be really helpful for folks who don't feel as comfortable initiating it to say, you know, can we schedule a sexy date? And then it's a negotiation conversation of, well, what would a sexy date look like for you? Okay. Well, I was thinking this, like what would turn you on um, to figure out what you want out of that sexy date. Um, And that literally could just be like wearing lingerie while you eat dinner together. Like, (laughs) you know, you can kind of take, take it wherever you're at. Um, for us, it's always came pretty easy for us to discuss what our sexual needs and desires are. Literally, the first moment I saw him, I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> he was – I couldn't control myself. And, um, yeah, we essentially just started off as a sexcation, like just we knew we wanted to have sex with each other. We knew we were incredibly attracted to each other. And we were just like, we need to plan to have a lot of sex together. (laughs) For someone who's like maybe new to the whole like sexting or Mm -hmm. sending nudes and like isn't comfortable right there, like how would you suggest taking steps? Like would it be taking just photos and not sending them and just like starting to like see the angles you love about yourself or like what would your tips be? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so definitely first like folks got to feel comfortable with themselves. They got to explore that for themselves first. Um, And obviously hope that you have like a safe partner that you feel you can trust um, because that plays a a huge part in it. Um, I think one thing that I will work with clients on is just like touching their bodies. um, Even if it's just like rubbing lotion all over your body, but like, do it a little, a little sensually, right? Um, finding, finding ways to appreciate your body. You might not love your body, but to appreciate and have acceptance for where it's at and what it's doing for you. Um, you know, I do think it's really important to 
talk about sex before having sex. Um, not only for safety and consent reasons, but for pleasure purposes. So I think you can have a non-explicit, non-sexual conversation or text to work on those negotiations to get to better know your partner, right? Of how often are you masturbating throughout the week? Is that ever something you would want like me to join in on? Um, and I definitely get the sense that like in the context that you're asking this question is for folks who maybe even wouldn't feel comfortable using the word masturbation or asking their partner that. And that's where I would definitely encourage to start listening to more sex podcasts, to start talking to your friends more about sex, to start reading more about that because our culture definitely has a ton of stigma around literally just even saying and identifying our genitals, just saying the word vagina, like vagina is not a bad word. Penis is not a bad word. (laughs) Like just saying these words. (laughs) Everybody out loud, if you are listening to this podcast, even if you're in the grocery store, I just want you to say vagina and penis. Go yeah. for it. <laughs> Jackie. I love you want me to say it? I love I don't know. Vagina penis. <laughs> There's um have you seen uh Five Hundred Days of Summer where they do the penis game? Yes. No. I love the penis game. You just yell penis as loud you have to yell it louder than the person before. Yeah. So if you start off you're like penis. 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 <laughs> Come on. Penis. penis. There we go. My neighbors are just going to be like, penis. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. You got to get comfortable with the, with the language. You got to normalize the language. Totally agree. Before we dive into like more sex work talk and sex positivity, what would the top three overall tips be for a long distance relationship or advice that you would give to really like thrive and continue that relationship in a strong way? In a sexual way or overall? Overall. Like it can be the sex dates and stuff like that. Mm. But just like top three tips Mm -hmm. for any long distance relationship. Mm. Consistency. Goals. Right. Have a goal. um, And communicate your needs. Your partner is not a mind reader. They're not going to be able to know you want them to come visit next weekend. You want them to call you in the morning. You want to go to sleep to a good night message. Communicate your needs. Your partner is not going to know to read your mind to know exactly what it is you want. I feel like that's great advice. Okay, so we're we're going to get into sex positivity talk and your new sex work, which I'm so excited to hear more about. But yeah. you, were, you said at the beginning you're getting your – I'm sorry if I got this wrong – your master's in – um, sexology is that correct PhD in clinical sexology (laughs) how did you decide you wanted to get into that uh so I knew from undergrad that human sexuality was my favorite class but I was going down the path of working with substance abuse and addiction and I was already getting lots of messages within that population from other professionals essentially that I wouldn't do well there because I would be seen as a distraction because of being a young woman, because of how I dressed, which was not sexually provocative. It was just very girly. It was just very girly. Um, And I wanted to work with like prison population and was sent all kinds of messages about how I don't belong in that population either. 
And so I had a lot of doubt and imposter syndrome of going into the field of sexuality that people wouldn't take me seriously. Um, so I just stuck with overall just doing mental health counseling work at private practice. Um, so once I actually went back to practicing, um, almost two years ago now, I noticed, well, it's kind of a combination of things. One, I got out of my relationship from the show and felt so free. I felt so free and I got into a non-monogamous relationship where I was definitely exploring my sexuality a lot more. Um, It was highly encouraged and I got my first vibrator shortly before that relationship. So I was kind of like going on that journey personally. And when I did start to share about it on social media, I just saw how much more stigmatized sexual health was than mental health. So then when I was working with clients, I was recognizing where folks were having difficulties, where folks weren't necessarily educated, where, uh, which like obviously, because our sex ed sucks and is just it completely leaves out pleasure and it's fear-based and is not comprehensive. So already everybody, I feel like is starting at a deficit. Um, And when I started to look into like, okay, say I want to do sex therapy. um, There are like no regulations in place. Like the only state that has regulations around calling yourself a sex therapist is Florida. Like of all places, it's Florida. Um, where you actually have to have trainings, you have to actually be certified, right? To even call yourself a sex therapist. Every other state, you have folks who are licensed marriage and family therapists, right? Who likely have had maximum, maximum two courses in their education around sexuality doing sex therapy, um, which it's very dangerous because folks are not getting proper training on these issues and then can perpetuate harm to their clients because they're not having the training to look into their own biases, right? To do their own work in that space. And they're not properly educated on the issues either, or they just don't bring up the issues whatsoever. And sex is completely left out of the work, which for relationships, like, that's the biggest, Yeah, that's that's a really, really (laughs) big, (laughs) really big part. Um, so with all of that, I was like, you know, I'm also in the public eye. So there's, I'm under a lot more scrutiny. So if I'm saying, yeah, I do sex therapy, like I need to make sure I have all my ducks in a row. And I was also just like, this is so exciting to me. I was like, I want to get training in this. Um, so that's where I found my, uh, program at modern sex therapy Institute to get my PhD in clinical sexology. And it's been super, super great. And definitely the like pettiness in me is a lot of what fuels my work on Instagram. Um, So, you know, people saying I'm I'm a sex addict, I'm an infomaniac because I talk about sex and because I talk about masturbation. just the pettiness in me wants to like, cause you provide. can't just be an empowered woman in her sexuality. That's yeah, awesome, exactly. Right? Like, exactly. I just like, I want to fight against all of it. So I'm just like, you know what? I'm going to get as educated as I can so that I have all the proper ways to clap back at this and let you know why you're wrong. <laughs> I love it. 
Did you? I'm curious. Did you grow up in a in a household where sex was talked about, or did you just always know you had that fire within you? So I definitely attribute a lot of this to 16 and pregnant and teen mom. And my mom had me very young. Um, I'm the first person in my first woman in my family to not have a child at the age of 20. Um, and I attribute that a lot to watching 16 and pregnant when I was in my early teens with my mom, we would watch it together and we would have not these like high level conversations. It was pretty surface level. Um, but just knowing that a, I was seeing like what was happening when you do have unprotected sex. Um, but that, I also, my mom says I came out of the womb talking, which I believe. Um, And I've always really been okay with making other people feel uncomfortable. So like the first time I had anal sex, I called my mom after and I was like, what do I do after? Am I going to be just dripping like shit out of my ass now? Like what do do I sit on the toilet for a period of time? Like what is going to happen? And she's just like, Taylor – Oh my I? And I'm, just, I'm like, well, mom, like who else do you want me to call for this? Like who else am I supposed to talk to about this? Um, and she would just, you know, reassure me like, you're going to be fine. Like, yeah, you can sit on the toilet for a second, but like, you'll be fine. Um, it, it wasn't a super sex positive space. Like I did when that Katy Perry song, I kissed a girl came out. I had a girlfriend over and we made like a video of us singing the song. And when the chorus came on, we would like make out and we put that up on Facebook. Um, and when my mom found out, like her friend saw it or something and there was definitely a lot of like sex negativity there. Like she was very upset. I felt like very scolded that like it was bad to make out with my friend, even though we were just having fun. Um, So there were definitely like moments like that where it was not the most sex positive space, but like I definitely had found my mom's vibrator several times and, you know, we never talked about it, but like I knew that they were there. Um, I naturally was just pretty comfortable with my body and didn't really care. I would always walk around the house with just underwear and a t-shirt on and I would have friends over. I would have guy friends over and that's how I stayed because I was comfortable and what like who I didn't care. And my stepdad would just be like, Taylor, as a stepdad, <laughs> for the love of God, God, can you please just put some pants on? And I'd be like, why? Why do I need to put pants on? <laughs> so it in some ways was sex positive and in other ways it it wasn't. But um it's almost like a mix of nature and nurture for you like you've just it's mm -hmm. kind of in you yeah I've always just been curious about it like sex is this thing that we all do that we all enjoy yet for some reason we can't talk about like it just doesn't make sense to me I get that and I know we kind of touched on it a little bit about how you're saying it's stigmatized and so what do you think the biggest barriers are from stopping us as women to kind of get confident with our sexuality? Patriarchy. Capitalism. You don't need to put anything up your vagina, on your vulva. Your vulvas are not dirty. They are not ugly. You don't need to wash them. You wash them with some water and some very gentle soap. You don't need some like spring fresh lavender bullshit (laughs) on your vulva. (laughs) Then you are going to need to put shit up your vagina like medicine. (laughs) 
Um, yeah, capitalism, patriarchy, you know, telling us that like our bodies need to look and capitalism telling us that our bodies need to look a certain way in order for us to be sexy. If you're not a Victoria's Secret model, then like you're not sexy, right? Um, we're sent all these messages about who we're supposed to be, how we're supposed to be. And if you are empowered in your sexuality, shame on you because that's intimidating because most men don't know how to deal with that. Um, so I think those are two of the largest um, barriers to that. And I understand for some folks listening, this might feel like a bit of a reach. Um, however, I, I would also include white supremacy in this uh, barrier as well. Um, Sabrina Strings uh, wrote an amazing book called Fearing the Black Body, The Racial Origins of Fat Phobia. And I find not only in my work with clients, but with friends as well, that there a lot of the issues with their bodies is around fat phobia, is around, well, I need to make sure that I work out several times a week and I need to make sure that like, you know, I can't have that glass of wine or I can't have that milkshake unless I like run a little extra, you know, and it's all these things to protect yourself from gaining weight because gaining weight is apparently this terrible thing. And in the book, she does a fantastic job of laying this out and how um, white men have created these beauty standards that were both at the time of uh, the transatlantic uh, slave trade and the, I might say this one wrong, um, the Anglo-Saxon movement of like white Protestant Christianity um, and how both of those things accumulated. I mean, this was like 17th century or something that there were like Cosmo, I think it was Geodes or Gaudi's magazine um, to where from these like women's beauty magazines that were very shame and fear-based of not looking like the monstrous black woman who was large. Um, and the healthcare system essentially took that on. And that's where literally they created the BMI out of nothing, right? And I think, you know, this just kind of, it all builds on top of itself. Um, highly recommend the book. She came on my podcast um, and did a great episode, but I don't think folks are very, I wasn't very educated in that sense. I had no idea that it, it had racial origins. Um, but when you look through the history, it just clicked. It just made a ton of sense. Um, and a lot of that is, is appropriated today of, you know, white women getting lip injections, injections and getting spray tans. Like we see that appropriated, but um, I think, a lot of the body images that most white women have in, in order to even be comfortable in their bodies, in order to engage in their sexuality, um, are impacted by capitalism, patriarchy, and white supremacy. And this might be- I'm going to read that book. This might be my dissertation <laughs> <laughs> about how white supremacy, capitalism, and patriarchy are ruining our sex lives. <laughs> I'm going to read that book because I honestly am- definitely not educated in that history so I it's by Sabrina Strings you mm -hmm. said okay we'll link it for our friends yeah. too yeah. yeah we'll yeah we'll link the podcast episode we'll link all of her stuff where you can buy the book and all of that yeah. um 
I took so many notes reading that book. Like the whole thing is sticky noted. It was just, it was I can't amazing. wait. Yeah. What do you think one tip or tool or resource would be to, as women start and maybe not even women, I shouldn't just say that, but just stepping into your sexuality. What's one tip, tool or resource you could share? Get naked, masturbate, get a toy Get a toy that is where you think you experience the most pleasure. If you think you experience the most pleasure in your ass, get a butt plug, get a butt vibrator uh, that has a flared base so things don't get stuck up in there. Um, get, uh, if you feel the most pleasure penetratively, vaginally, get a dildo or a vibrator that goes inside of you. If you feel the most pleasure in your clit, get a toy that stimulates your clit. Um, I think one of at least the things that helped me the most as I stepped into this was practice and consistency. I would get in bed and I would lay in bed naked and I would feel so awkward. (laughs) And I would be like, so, okay, I'm supposed to just like touch myself now and just like, I'm by myself. I'm just like by myself and I'm going to touch myself now. Okay. Um, so I like would put music on. So I made a little sexy time playlist and I thought of the songs that either had been played during sex or at clubs and whatnot when I felt just like on my shit of just like, "Mm, I am sexy. Um, I would play that and self-compassion is an amazing practice. It's an amazing tool resource. You can go to selfcompassion.org. Um, you can get the book practicing those exercises, um, really helps me to just be gentle with myself as I stepped into that practice. Um, the first time I tried to use a vibrator maybe lasted 30 seconds and I was like, Nope, (laughs) Nope. This is weird. This is so (laughs) uncomfortable. And I'm like by myself, like what? Um, it was really uncomfortable for me, but um, trying to be kind to my body as much as possible, trying to educate yourself on your body, I think gives you a lot of appreciation for it. The clitoris is the only organ in the entire human body that researchers have found with a sole purpose of pleasure. That's a fucking gift. (laughs) Now I'm like, wow, My body has given me this amazing gift right here that is good for my mental health, is good for my physical health, is good to reduce my stress levels, will give me better sleep, right? Will boost all these things in my um, immune system. Like, how could I not? That would be such a waste for me to not engage with that. You know, I'm thankful for my hands because I get to do so many things with them. Imagine if you were just like, you know what? fuck using your hands. That's like, wow, how am I not honoring, showing appreciation for just acknowledging the fact that I have this organ in my body who is like, you're going to feel good. And how many other times are you able to really indulge in pleasure in your life? We're told that like, we shouldn't indulge in things that we're supposed to just be working. We're just supposed to be busy. We're supposed to be building our empires. We're supposed to be, you know, looking hot and attractive. We're supposed to be getting a partner. We're supposed to be doing 
all these things that frankly are stressful, <laughs> that are stressful and that there is no guarantee even of them working out the way that we're told they're supposed to. So like sitting in pleasure, I think brings you back to your body, brings you back to a sense of self, even if it's literally like sucking on a square of dark chocolate. Like I just so badly want to encourage folks to engage in pleasure, like having my heating pad on my stomach and on my chest, that feels like pleasure. That feels safe. That feels comforting. Like you are worthy. And I think a lot of us struggle with pleasure too, because you have to be present to experience it. And we're always mm -hmm. constantly in this like future past state where we're not present. So mm -hmm. I think what you're saying is so, so important to like do those things that bring you back to your body. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because, and a lot of us avoid being in our body and being with ourselves because that can be uncomfortable mm -hmm. because it is easier to focus on all the external things to produce, to get reinforcement for that. No one's really going to reinforce you if you have an orgasm and then go on a, on a work call, right? Like nobody's going to be like, great job. You, you really produced a fantastic orgasm this week. We're going to give you a raise. Like, unless you're in the porn industry, um, right? But, but like nowhere really do we get rewarded for pleasure. We're often punished for pleasure. Um, and, and it's, we have a right to it. We are worthy of it. Not after you lose 10 pounds, not after you get that promotion, you're worthy of it literally just as you are today. I love how you put it and I can't wait to listen to that five times over again when I listen back. Um, Question. I just want to ask, do you have some favorite brands that you can share for sex toys, like your top couples, so mm -hmm. that we can link it for our listeners? Yeah. Um, so I have a link in my bio on Instagram that helps give me credit so that the brands know um, where you found them. Um, so WeVibe is like probably my top favorite resource. Um, they have amazing videos on their YouTube that walk you through even how to use the toys that walk you through people's experiences using the toys. Um, they are quality ingredients, body safe materials, all those good things. Um, the melt from WeVibe is one of my personal favorites. That's the only toy that I've had that has actually like let me squirt myself. Otherwise, only other times that I've squirted have been through a partner like fingering me. But this toy, it was, yeah. Um, so definitely recommend the melt. Um, also the wand. Uh, there are so many different versions of the wand out there. Um, I do personally like WeVibes wand because it has the WeConnect app, which is fantastic. Not only if you are like living at home with your partner, but especially long distance. It's like Bluetooth. Your partner can connect on the app and they can like control it. Um, so I love that like the wand I can use on my shoulders. I can use like on my nipples. I can use um, like on someone's like scrotum area I can use on my vulva. Um, and then I also can, you know, send my partner a little text and be like, 
want to play <laughs> and go from there. <laughs> um, so fun. Yeah. So love the, love the wand. Um, love the melt. Um, those would probably be my top two. I also do love the Balesa Boutique. They are based in Canada, actually. Um, so mm. for your Canadian listeners. We love us a Canadian brand. So do I. <laughs> <laughs> I love, love the Canadians. Um, but yeah, Balesa Boutique, I really enjoy them as well. Um, they have erotica on their site, too. Um, and they're, they're a great resource to use. That's perfect. Thank awesome. you. I just feel like that kind of can be intimidating sometimes. And maybe mm-hmm. the Google search isn't always the friendliest. So thank yeah. you. I will link that all for our listeners. Yeah, I definitely do partner with a lot of different sexual health focused brands and, and companies that, you know, provide education that um, like educated. They literally, I think I'm partnering with them again in March. Um, they literally have like courses where like, if you have questions about how to do anal sex, you can go watch the video and they will walk you through like, this is how you can prep. These are the kinds of conversations you can have. These are the kinds of things for afterwards, right? Like if you want to have a threesome, okay, let's, here's a little demo on like threesomes, um, super helpful information. So I do always try to partner with brands and companies on Instagram that are going to be these kinds of helpful resources because you're right. Google can be very, very overwhelming. So like I do my due diligence and um, definitely love helping provide folks with, uh, with good resources. Okay. We have a couple more questions before I let you go. And these were some of the most burning questions people had, but you've chosen to move into a bit of sex work via OnlyFans. So I'm just curious if you can kind of tell us what sparked that idea for you, how you decided to do it and how it's going. Yeah. I really wanted to like destigmatize sex work and being an advocate for sex workers. I also wanted to see how it works myself. So I could have a better understanding, very similar in my head as being a therapist and going to therapy myself so that I can understand the client experience. Like, if I want to be a sex therapist and I want to advocate for and destigmatize sex work, I want to have a better idea. I also just have always probably romanticized the idea of just like being a hot girl and just getting paid for just like being sexy. I, for some reason, that's always been romanticized in my head of just like, how great would that be? Like, wow. And the more that like I would talk with other sex workers, it just seemed like, damn, you know what? When I'm like hella old, am I going to like totally regret and be like, girl, you were in your 20s. You could have been, you know, like. You know what though? Like I feel I feel like a lot of, especially like younger women do this. They like talk about it with their friends. They're like, oh, I should just get a sugar daddy. I should just do this. But then they are like, they have that stigma and they rip it back down right after they mm-hmm. say something where they've romanticized it in their head like you just talked about. So yeah, I mean, yeah, I'm just, I'm still working through that to be totally honest because I have 100% been guilty of the stigma. So like yeah. I'm, I've, you're someone who's educating me. I listened to a podcast with um, one of like the highest paid sex workers and she was really insightful as well. So I think it's all about like anything mm-hmm. else education. Yeah, definitely. I remember before I went on the show, I was still in my master's program and 
made an account on seeking arrangements because I was like, yeah, I will absolutely provide company and sexy photos for someone to pay me and I can help pay off my student debt. Um, and, you know, I think the more that I've gotten into it, the more I've always known sex work is work. But the more that I get into it, the more I'm like, yeah, this is a lot of work. It, it really is a lot of work. Um, the thing I'm having the most fun with is sexting with people and specifically with couples. I love sexting with couples. It is so fun. I get so excited about it. Um, and I think it's been helpful to like destigmatize sex work when like we understand that sex work is actually pretty broad. Like mm -hmm. how is someone even defining sex work? Is it based on arousal? Is it based on exchange of fluids? Like what are we even basing sex work on? Um, some of what I do on Instagram could be considered a form of sex work. Um, most advertising is using sex to sell their products. Um, so are those models then considered doing a form of, of sex work? Um, you know, it's, it's pretty broad, honestly. So um, figuring out like what things I feel most comfortable with, how I rate myself, how I rate my nipples, how I rate my time, how I rate my ass. It's a lot of work. <laughs> it's a lot to process. Um, figuring out what people are, what people even want from you as well, what people actually want to pay for. Um, I still don't think I've figured out fully what my like brand is as a sex worker. Um, you know, February was the month I launched it and it's only been about like three weeks now and it's, it's been exciting, but it's definitely been a lot to process. <laughs> If you feel like there is one thing you'd want maybe people to realize who have those opinions and they have their stigmas, what would you want people to realize about sex work? It really is just another form of work. It's a valid form of work. As long as it's consensual. Like, yeah. Like, yeah. I, I don't think folks understand all of what goes into it. I think they think that it is prostitution out on the corner and automatically look down on it. And even that isn't something to look down on. <laughs> um, you know, I think it's, it might be helpful for folks to understand that people in the sex work industry discuss boundaries like a lot, that there is a huge emphasis on sex. There's a huge emphasis on boundaries and communication and, you know, it's sex is not bad, right? Therefore, sex work is not bad. Well, and also it's all around us, like you were saying. So if you just mm -hmm. remove that stigma, it's yeah. okay. It's okay. It's so simple. Yeah. It sounds so simple, but you know. Yeah. What do you think we as, or our audience who's listening or just anybody can do to help start moving the needle and removing that stigma around sex work? Vote for folks who are advocating for sex workers. Do your research when you are voting. Um, follow other sex workers. Pay for your porn. Pay for your porn. Say it one more time. 
One more time. Pay for your porn. <laughs> Our episode quote, pay for your porn. Yes. Pay for the porn. Um, well, yeah. also too, totally off topic, not off topic, but just like this could be a whole other conversation. You don't know if the porn you're watching when you're not paying for it is ethical. Mm-hmm. So. There's some good websites we've had shared on the podcast when we had sexual health with D. Yes, there are. On, and she's shared some ethical ones. Do you know any, can you list any off the top of your head, like maybe three, Tay, that you could share with our listeners? Um, one, I will say Erica Lust. Yes, that's the one she shared as well. And I know folks have uh, conflicted conflicting feelings about that as well. Um, but I can send you, I literally just sent it to my client um, today. Oh, what is the name of it? Something agony. Beautiful agony. Beautiful agony. There we go. That, I would definitely recommend you look up beautiful agony. Thank you Perfect. so much. Thank you. Yeah, honestly, thank you. This podcast has been so educational and just so... I love open conversations where like nothing's off the table. And so thank you for being open to that with us and sharing. Um, if there's one call to action you want to give our listeners today, what would it be? Can you give me an, like a topic, an area? Let's do stepping into your own sexuality and confidence. Mm-hmm. Allow yourself to be naked more than just when you shower. I yeah. It. Everybody go get naked. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much. I, I feel like you know like sex is stigmatized still to this day and like having open conversation like this really helps and I've heard it on other podcasts the sex topics usually shoot up in numbers because people want to hear about it and it's just not talked about it as much so we appreciate your time so much and I know that our listeners will get something from this I definitely did so thank you yeah yeah thank you so much that's why I started talking about sex even more on my podcast too was because the episodes where I shared my own sexual experiences were the episodes that were getting the highest listeners. <laughs> so then I was like, okay, yeah, like I already want to do these things in my own personal life. So I guess I'm just going to do a whole episode recapping my uh, sex club experience. So I guess I'm just going <laughs> to share all this sex stuff now. Yeah, go plug your podcast, plug your OnlyFans, plug anything where we can like go follow, support, all that. Yeah, thanks. Um, Tay Mocha on Instagram, T-A-Y-M-O-C-H-A. Um, I'm Tay Mocha on OnlyFans and on Twitter as well. So OnlyFans.com slash Tay Mocha, um, Twitter.com slash Tay Mocha. Uh, the podcast is called Let's Talk About It with Taylor Nolan. We do have a podcast page or we have an Instagram page, Let's Talk About It underscore podcast. Uh, but Instagram at Tay Mocha is going to be the best place to find links for all of those things and to keep up with all the different resources and whatnot. Um, I do always like to give the little disclaimer that my Tay Mocha is not because I am brown and black, but it is because I'm a crazy cat lady and my first cat's name was Mocha Joe. And I loved her and had her for 18 years and we just like were one. I learned this on your live last night. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Literally every time I say it now, I'm just like, yep, it's Tay Mocha because I'm a cat lady. <laughs> The, her Instagram link has a ton of resources, everything that you need. It's very extensive, and I was checking it out today. And then also your IGTVs. Make sure you guys go listen to those. They are so worth it, I promise. Thank okay. you, Tay. Yeah, thank you and so much. And drop your weight. Drop your Venmo and your PayPal if people are going to watch your IGTV. I think that they, it's important we share that too because you just you 
provide so much education that you don't have to provide. So I want to make sure that that is shared too. Yeah, thank you. Um, My Venmo is also Tamoka. My PayPal, PayPal is talkingwithtaylor21 at gmail.com. And if you need it spelled out, it's um, if you click email on my like email button on Instagram, it's that email. Um, but yeah, I appreciate like having a little bit of space from discussing race and discussing bachelor stuff. And I know you intentionally were like, don't ask Taylor questions about that because she's already talking about it enough. So I definitely appreciate like space from that and being able to actually just talk about like things that I really do enjoy and things that, you know, are outside of my identity of, of being a black person. Um, because I think, it can feel really like objectifying and just like being used sometimes like yeah. by white people when you're only asked on platforms because you're a black person because they want that education or because they want to have those conversations. So I appreciate you brought so much value outside of any racism chat. So like we yeah. truly like that's not it's obviously a huge part of you, but like you have so much value to give to this world and we appreciate that you took time to share it with us. Thank you. Yeah. If you ever want to talk about anything else, obviously I have a lot of things to talk about. So (laughs) thank you for having me on. Friendships. Thank you for listening to this episode. Honestly, I'm not even going to say I hope you loved it. I know you did because Taylor is a cool freaking person and we were so blessed to have her on the podcast, but your job does not stop here because you need to still help us out. If you listen to this podcast every week and you haven't wrote a review yet, you haven't left us five stars, you haven't followed us on Instagram or joined our Facebook group, then we need you to be a better friendship. What the hell are you doing? (laughs) Yeah, I gave some hostility last week and there's still a little bit inside me. I'm not going to lie. Like we see the numbers each week. And that's not really translating in our reviews or in our Facebook group. So we just want you to step up so we can keep bringing you awesome guests like Taylor Nolan. And I'm going to pass this off to Bailey before my rant becomes even longer and I get more angry. And friendships, other ways you can support us is by entering our Facebook group on Facebook, as Jackie likes to say, and shopping our merch, which, by the way, we've got something up our sleeves. So stay tuned come back next week because we've got a big announcement regarding that but go to whatdaysatpodcast.com all that directly supports us and helps us bring these episodes to you for free every single week so go do it we appreciate you and we will be back next what day is it wednesday 